0: This is the Best Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Recommended Insurance Attorneys.
1: Welcome to Best Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best Insurance Professional Resources. Today, we're speaking with Michael Watsa. Mike is Chair of the Governmental Regulatory Practice Group at Kitsch, Drutches, Wagner, Valetudi, and Showbrook, a full-service law firm based in Detroit with offices in Lansing, Marquette, Mount Clemens, Chicago, Illinois, Toledo, Ohio, and Honolulu, Hawaii. Mike's practice provides litigated, legislative, and regulatory solutions on behalf of municipal, healthcare, and private sector clients concerning legislation, complex litigation, governance issues, telecommunications, including cable and cell towers, pipelines, energy, insurance, and gaming. Mike also serves as general counsel to ProTech, a governmental consortium of over 100 cities across Michigan focusing on municipal rights of way concerns. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. John, thanks for having me. Today, we'll be discussing how the rollout of 5G could affect insurance claims. Michael, first off, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your practice.
0: Well, uh, as you. Described from from my bio, um, I spent the first half of my practice uh, years uh, doing a, a insurance uh, defense litigation for the most part, uh, representing a whole variety of entities, um, municipalities being one of those consistently in the in the group. And then um, the second half of my career, I I was asked actually by some of the municipal clients to get involved with some of the regulatory issues that they were facing in uh, the rights away, which is where the utilities uh, operate. And that, that's where municipalities and the utilities meet. And it's usually a friendly, uh, mutually uh, helpful uh, relationship, but not always. And so I've spent uh, the last 15, 20 years um, tussling, I suppose, with AT&T and Comcast and Verizon, DTE, all the small companies out there on behalf of local government and local communities.
1: So that leads well into our first question, Mike. What's exactly involved in the 5G rollout?
0: So uh, this really deve- uh, developed uh, in a uh, express way uh, under uh, the Obama administration when um uh, he rolled out the uh, need for a broadband plan, and that is basically to improve our access to the Internet. The industry responded. Well, there were two ways they could have responded. One was to build fiber connections to everyone, um, arguably a, maybe a better, a better approach. But the industry has responded with uh, upscaling its wireless uh, product. And so this is referred to as 5G And the result is that they are uh, attempting to add millions of new antennas, uh, broadcast and receiver, uh, to their current stock and uh, put those right down at the rights of way level, right in our streets and alleys and public places.
1: And what exactly is the timing of the rollout?
0: The industry would love to have had it done last week, Um, but uh, over the last 10 years, there's been a lot of work uh, at the FCC and and, uh, in Congress and the uh, NTIA, you know, federal agencies, and then um, that's gone out uh, to the states and then the local governments and the courts have been involved, and that all seems to have wound its way Pretty well to a conclusion, where the industry is really starting to ramp up and actually build these things, and we're seeing more and more uh, discussions about the the appearance of the of the these we we'll call small cells um, in the of away because they're showing up in front of folks' folks' homes.
1: And what are some of the associated risks with this?
0: Well, so um, these uh, what I refer to as right away cell towers or small cells have traditionally been, uh, have the facilities that transmit, uh, all of our connections to our cell phones and other wireless devices, uh, on hundred to 200 foot towers out in the middle of Farmer Brown's cornfield or some other somewhat remote location. And the reach is, uh, several miles. These, the new technology to try and densify the bandwidth, um, and get up to speeds that 5G is advertising uh, require that these small cell towers be put very close to the consumer, the user of the, of the bandwidth. And so uh, the intent is to get these right down at street level, including in front of our houses or behind our houses or, you know, uh, on a, on a utility pole, uh, perhaps uh, sitting at a uh, point in the street where the kids are waiting for the school bus. And that, that is a concern um, because now these transmitters that used to be several hundred feet in the air and maybe a mile away or more are right over our heads. And, and, and so they're transmitting right through us essentially And there's been a lot of concern about what that means. And uh, so there's a couple studies that have been done in 2018. The NTP, the National Toxicology Program, issued a study um, that found exposure to these bandwidths could cause, and I'm just going to read, John, if you don't mind, a, a few lines uh, because I'm not a doctor, and I, I don't remember these terms if I don't see them. Um, but the study found that, that these bandwidths and frequencies, referred to as radiofrequency radiation, could cause and did cause in rats over a two-year study, cardiomyopathy, malignant schwannoma in the heart, malignant glioma in the brain, adenomas in the pituitary gland, uh, adrenal uh, cytomas in the liver, malignant glioma in the prostate, and uh, a significant increase in DNA damage in the hypocampus cells of male rats. So for all of my medical experts out there and so on, um, there's a connection. And and I won't say that um, it's been confirmed, uh, but it, it raises concerns. And then most recently, uh, July of this year, the uh, the, uh Environmental groups, uh, one of them uh, in particular, issued a study result um, that confirmed or tracked some of these same results. So, so we have this concern. And of course, the issue will be, uh, does the uh, plaintiff's bar and the, the environmental groups out there that are pushing this issue, uh, are they going to be able to prove their case or not?
1: So, Mike, are there any preventative steps being taken, and what should claims and risk managers, particularly in the local public sector, be concerned about?
0: Well, on the front end, um, of course, you want to try and locate these, these uh, facilities on uh, these shorter towers uh, somewhere more remote, industrial areas, uh, uh, commercial areas, and less in the residential. But of course, the industry wants to be where the customer is, which is more residential. So there's, there's a fair amount of pushback uh, going on there. Uh, to the extent the law will allow, and the law is pretty restrictive of local government's ability to uh, limit these devices, uh, you certainly wanna have some very strong indemnity language so that the industry or the installers, everyone in that chain, will have the obligation to uh, hold the uh, cities uh, harmless in this process. And, of course, uh, require significant insurance coverages to be provided by these uh, providers and installers.
1: So, Mike, are there any lessons that were learned from past experience that might be helpful and what potential claims fall out do you see here?
0: Well, so anybody who's been in the insurance industry for any length of time knows, and i practiced in the area of mass torts, Um, I still have uh, some uh, hand in that, Uh, if you're familiar with asbestos or tobacco uh, in particular, and you saw how that developed uh, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, I wasn't a lawyer back then, but I certainly read a lot of the material that was out there, and it, you know, there were these vague warnings that developed into more specific warnings over the course of decades. And all of that, of course, then led to litigation. And uh, to my mind, uh, you have the risk, not only of the substantive result in a litigated manner where somebody can prove an injury related to these uh, transmissions, but the real key is the cost Of defense because essentially everyone across the country could be a plaintiff, uh, even if they aren't specifically named. I mean, as you're familiar with class action litigation, you get one person to step up as a representative of the class and and you arguably have 320 million Americans included in that class. Um, the, The cost of defending that can be overwhelming and in many cases, certainly in the asbestos arena, uh, led to the bankruptcy of not only the producers, but uh, in some cases their insurers and everybody in the chain. That for my municipal, I mean, that's bad enough for the providers and their carriers, but for the municipals who are sort of at the end of the process, um, it potentially leaves them holding the bag, so to speak, because notwithstanding indemnity language and notwithstanding insurer, uh, uh, insurers standing behind the, the uh, providers and the um, installers, uh, when those folks go to bankruptcy court, that's going to leave local government uh, holding the bag at the end of the line. And of course, what's interesting is, you know, the local governments have the full faith and credit of the taxpayer behind them and the taxpayer of course, is also what the customer uh, of this, these services, and so um, it's it's a uh, sort of an insidious circle. But um, those are the risks uh, in my mind, and um, I I've uh, well, that's why we're
1: talking. So overall, where do you see this heading for the insurance industry, Mike?
0: Well, I think the insurance industry's got to be very careful um, about where it uh, provides coverage. There has been discussion. I have not seen it. I'm not in an underwriting capacity anywhere, Uh, but um, I have heard that uh, some of the large providers have had difficulty uh, getting these issues insured. I don't know that, but I've heard that. It would make sense to me if there were a lot of good questions asked, by insurers before they jumped on that line and, and took on that responsibility. Um, and, and then if they do, um, there are certainly defenses uh, all across the board. I mean, the fact that the FCC has approved all this, and notwithstanding these studies, the FCC, the uh, Federal Communications Commission, which governs wireless issues across the country, uh, to the extent that they've said it's okay and that these – Bandwidths and frequencies are not causing these cancers. Uh, that's a defense. Uh, government entities have uh, immunity. Um, the feds have the Federal Tort Claim Act, very difficult to climb through. And then there are all the cities across all the states have some level of immunity. And, uh, you know, of course, the the industry itself is, is the... Uh, Proponent of all this, so they should be the front line, and and uh, they could potentially have the bankruptcy courts to, to run to. But um, that's what I see, and I, it, I, you know, it, the the uh, the environmentalists who have these concerns um, don't have to necessarily prove this uh, in stone. They just they just have to get enough interest in it to get a jury or in a court thinking, Hey, this might be a problem. And and the next thing you know, you know, you've got tens of thousands, millions of claims filed, and then you get into that problem of how in the world do we finance the defense of this? So.
1: Michael, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me, John. It was wonderful.
1: You've just listened to Michael Watson, attorney from qualified member law firm Kitch Drutchess Widener, Valetudi, and Sherbrooke. And special thanks to today's producer, Anthony Pama. And thank you all for joining us for Best's Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, go to our webpage, www.ambest.com slash claims resource. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, and now this message.
0: Best Insurance Professional Resources features valuable insurance industry content, including searchable profiles of client-recommended insurance attorneys, adjusters, and expert service providers. Brought to you by AM Best, known worldwide as a respected source of insurance industry news and information. Visit ambest.com slash claimsresource.